If there's one question that I hear entrepreneurs ask me and they throw up their hands in exasperation is, Diana, how do I effectively delegate? It seems like it's so overwhelming, right? They want to know who they can delegate to, what they can delegate, when do they delegate? It's overwhelming. And then there are those other business owners who are so busy in their day-to-day running of their businesses, they're completely unaware of the tasks and responsibilities they could be delegating and saving themselves some time. So in this, the sixth episode of the Think Like a CEO series, I'm going to share with you two key principles of delegation, why delegation can really be simple. The rule of 70, our delegation is rather like painting a room, and then I'll answer the who, what, and when pets questions. And in case you're new to this podcast, be sure to listen to the earlier episodes in the series. Episode 108 was 11 small business pitfalls to avoid in order to reach seven-figure success. Episode 109, all about what got you here won't take you there, or as I call it, the hot chocolate story. Episode 110, are you a CEO or chief everything officer? And I talk about the role of the CEO and five mindset shifts that are required. Episode 111 is grow and run your business like a CEO. Five key activities that highly effective CEOs do, as well as the characteristics of very, very successful CEOs. And then last week, episode 112, how to effectively plan your week like a small business CEO. And in fact, in this episode, I'm going to refer back to that episode 112. So be sure you have listened. Welcome to the Work Less, Profit More Business Podcast for business leaders who want to grow and scale their businesses. Hi, I'm Diana Lidstone, business strategist known for my straight talk, no BS, and simple small business strategies and mindset shifts that bring my clients more joy, profit, and freedom. So if you're a lawyer, financial advisor, real estate investor, accountant, or other business owner who feels trapped in the chaos of the day-to-day running of your business, then welcome aboard. Okay, delegation. If you Google how to delegate effectively, you'll find that there's a ton of articles. There's the three C's of delegation, eight tips to improve your delegation, seven steps of delegation, five principles, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, when I Googled it, there were 38 million results. So obviously a lot of people are looking for help on this subject. And I think there's a couple of reasons why delegation is difficult for entrepreneurs. First of all, I think it's just the nature and the rhythm of our business growth, right? We all start out pretty much as solopreneurs and we wear all the hats, we do all the stuff. I remember back in the days of my retail store, I did everything from the purchasing to, you know, the sales, the displays, and even the toilet washing, right? But as our business grows, no one teaches us this new skill called delegation. And what happens is eventually the owners become the bottlenecks of their business. And they become the bottlenecks for decision making. And that's the big thing. Now, when it comes to leaders of larger corporation or a larger business, sometimes delegation feels like something they know they should do, but they don't do. And I think it's a little related to mindset, right? Are they open to that, learning this new skill? Are they open to letting go of control? 
And then there are those senior leaders who often struggle with knowing that they can delegate and it would actually be helpful. But how do they delegate the responsibility, not just the tasks? And that's the part that I often hear seems complicated. And in addition, if you're anything like many senior leaders, you probably didn't have a role model along the way to show you how to delegate successfully, especially if you came from corporate. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons why delegation seems overwhelming. But you know, like everything else, when you apply the KISS principle, like I do, keep it simple, silly, it really isn't an overwhelming task. So I want to share with you a couple of principles. And the first principle is, this is a writer downer. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. So let me repeat that. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Now, in my case, yes, I can do my bookkeeping. And in fact, I took a university level accounting course. I'm very capable of doing my own bookkeeping. But do I like to do it? No. Does it bring me joy? No. Is it a job that I can easily outsource, i.e., you know, from the Entrepreneur's Freedom Scorecard? It's a $10 an hour task on that scorecard. So yes, I can easily outsource it. Can someone else do it better than faster than me? (laughs) Yeah, heck yes. Now, it also applies to a lot of other things. And I want to share a story of a former client of mine. And we'd been working together for a while, and she was complaining that she just didn't have enough free time in her business to do that strategic thinking she knew she wanted to do. So, you know, I asked her to, you know, walk me through a typical day. What's taking up a lot of your time? And she says, but Diana, you know, we do so much traveling for our business. And I went, yeah. Well, there's all those travel arrangements. I have to make those. And I went, uh, no. (laughs) Right? Just because she could do it doesn't mean that she should do it. There are people called travel agents out there who do it for free. She also had an assistant who could very easily do it for her. So just remember this first principle. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Okay, the second key principle of delegation is something called the 70% rule. So here it is. If someone else can do the task at least 70% as well as you can, then you should probably seriously consider delegating it. Now, I know I can almost hear you say, but Diana, are you saying I should settle for 70%? No, not at all. But delegate it, and then you track it and optimize it. It becomes a teaching opportunity to improve it. So let's take, you know, an example might be onboarding new clients. Could you write out a process? Could you provide a template and then delegate it to an assistant or a VA? Yeah. Do you have to do it? No. Do you love doing it? No. Could you better spend your time somewhere else? Yes. You know, maybe she won't do it or the person won't do it perfectly the first couple of times, but then you take that opportunity to improve it. So in my case, creating graphics for my podcast or social media using Canvas is not something I enjoy. I just don't seem to have that creative knack. So can somebody else do it better than me? Holy smokes, yes. And my VA can do it. 
So I've given my VA instructions on my brand visuals. So, you know, my fonts, my colors, she has access to all my professional photos. And yes, after almost nine years or nine years or more, I trust her discretion to create these without my direct input. So can she do it at least 70% as well as I can? She can probably do it 150% better than I can do it. So I delegate those to my VA. So that was the second principle, the 70% rule. And the first one was just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Okay. Now, I also want to share with you my perspective on delegation. It's kind of something I learned from my husband. You see, my husband is an amazing painter. Paint, yes. Not just rooms in our house, but he also paints boats. And they look amazing. But he is very strict about his process. And it goes something like this. Prepare the surface. Prepare your tools. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Paint. Examine. Prepare, resand, refill, paint. Examine, prepare, resand, paint. You get the idea? It's all in the preparation and the patience. So, just like my husband prepares, he spends most of his time preparing the walls, for instance, for painting. So, should you spend the majority of your time preparing the tasks and responsibilities for your delegating? So what do you prepare, right? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what it is you want to delegate. I'm going to, again, send you back. Did you do the time audit exercise that I talked about in episode 112? If not, please, 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 I encourage you to go back and do it. You'll gain so much benefit from it. And then you look at those and you say, okay, what tasks are in the $10 an hour column of the entrepreneur's scorecard that I've again provided for you in episode 112. You look at those and you go, hmm, I can delegate those. That's the what. Who? Who are you going to delegate to? Well, when you're looking for administrative help, not all tasks need to go to the same person. And I think that's a big hang up we get, but you don't need to hire one VA to do everything. Some VAs are better at some things and not. So find someone who is awesome at what you need to do. So if you need somebody who is excellent, maybe with your email provider and your website, then look for a person who is great at that. And maybe it's a different person for social media. I believe in paying for those specialists. When you're talking about team members and what you can delegate to them, it's so important to look at their strengths. That's right, their strengths. What are they really good at? Because you want to ensure that you have the right people in the right seats. So let me share a little story. Just the other day, someone reached out to me about delegating and hiring a VA. And kudos to him. He had done his time audit and he was working with and I'll call this an agency, and I'll put it in quotations. But each time someone was charged with doing the work, there seemed to be a problem. Things took too long. He couldn't easily tweak his presentations. And the problem seemed to be that the VAs that were given the work didn't work on Macs, Apple products. You see, they wanted to use their own systems. And I went, you know what? 
you're the client, you're paying for the service. Don't be afraid to look somewhere else. Look for someone who has the specific skills that you need. And in this instance, I would say, you know, hire slow, fire fast. Okay, so we talked about what you can delegate, who you can delegate to, and when to delegate. And I think this is another big question. You see, I believe to delegate as soon as you can possibly afford it, and sometimes even before you think you can afford it. And you really need to be hiring for the future. And I'll share with you an example. It's a real life example. It's a friend of mine. We've been in a mastermind for about nine years together. And he is a great salesperson. And he's the only one in his business at this time a few years ago. But he got bogged down in the administrative part of creating and sending out proposals, following up, booking stuff. And we kept urging him to hire someone, hire an assistant. So he finally did. And he realized, you know, it was going to take probably six months to train her. And it was probably going to take at least six months to have her pay her way. But I remember the day, maybe a year, maybe it was two years later, when he said, oh my God, I couldn't live without this person. Because he realized that his business would never have grown nearly as much if he didn't have that assistant. And just a few weeks ago, he reported that he had had a stroke, mild one, and he couldn't run his business. He was out of commission for a couple of weeks and she took care of everything. So hiring for the future, not where you are now in your business, but look ahead. What can you do? What will make the biggest difference in your business? Okay, as I said earlier in this episode, when I Googled delegation or effective delegation, there were 38 million Google articles. And I want to share with you one of them. And it comes from the Harvard Business Review. And it talks about eight steps. And I want to share this with you because I think it was the best of the best that I had seen. Would you love to discover the number one problem that's holding your business back? Well, my friends, take my free quiz, the Business Freedom Calculator. And in five minutes, you'll answer 22 questions that identify where you fall in one of the four stages of business growth. And then the calculator will lay out specific action steps you need to take to ultimately achieve the freedom you desire. And you simply go to www.dianalidstone.com slash quiz. And again, www.dianalidstone.com slash quiz. Like most things in life and in business, learning to delegate starts with mindset. It starts with being open to doing things differently, becoming aware, and looking for those opportunities. And once a leader has begun to shift his or her mindset, then it's time to start shifting behaviors. And here's eight practices from leaders who delegate successfully. Number one, they pick the right person. And it isn't always about who can do it. So here's a couple of questions. Who needs to develop these skills? Who has the capacity or the bandwidth to do it? Who has shown some interest in doing this particular task or taking on this responsibility? I love this question. Who's ready for the challenge? And who would see this as a reward? Do you have somebody on your team who 
you know, delegating this task to them and this responsibility would seem as a reward. And the last question is successful delegators also explain why they chose this person to take on the task. So the first step is to pick the right person. The second is they get clear on what the person is responsible for and how much autonomy they will have. Successful delegators let their team members know exactly where they have autonomy and where they don't yet, right? So remember when I was talking about my VA creating these graphics? She has, you know, my brand information. She has access to everything. She's got pretty much total autonomy, but she's earned it. Okay, number three. Great leaders who successfully delegate describe their desired results and outcomes in detail. And I think this is so key. You have to let the person know who's doing the task, how they will know whether it's been successful or not. So what is the desired outcome when detail? So number one, you've got to set clear expectations about the outcome what it is. Number two, you also have to explain how the task fits into the bigger picture, the vision, why we're doing it. And three, you've got to have some criteria for measuring success, what it should look like when I've done it well. So again, if we take, you know, my VA doing my graphics, those graphics, there's a certain time frame that they must be done in for my blog. There's a certain time frame that they must be done in for my podcast, right? And she knows the deadlines and she knows what they are supposed to look like. So there's a very specific, and she knows how this fits into the bigger picture because if it's not done right, it doesn't look very good on my brand, right? Okay, let's move on. The fourth practice of leaders who delegate successfully is that they make sure team members have the resources they need to do the job, whether this is training, whether it's money, supplies, a private space, adjusted priorities, or maybe even help from others. So consider, do they need more training? Maybe you need to pay them more, or maybe they need a different computer program, you know, do they have enough bandwidth and time? So what is it that they have? Do they have the resources that they need? Number five is to delegate successfully, there must be established checkpoints, milestones, and timeframes for feedback so that the individual doesn't feel micromanaged or underled. And so you know, as entrepreneurs, we tend to be a little bit of control freaks. And so we have to learn not to micromanage, but there's that fine line between micromanaging and, you know, letting the person feel, oh, you know, I didn't get enough support. Okay, here's the last three. Number six, successful delegators encourage new and creative ways for team members to accomplish their goals. It's important for delegators to set aside their attachment of how things have been done in the past so they can invite, recognize, and reward novel approaches to that work. So let's take those Canva graphics. You know, could my VA decide that she's going to maybe for a particular series, she would do everything in black and white instead of using my typical colors, right? 
Or what other creativity could you possibly use? Number seven, successful delegators create a motivating environment. They know how to cheerlead, coach, step in, step back, adjust expectations, make themselves available, and celebrate successes. Oh, celebrate successes. I don't know about you, but that's been one of my challenges for many, many years is, you know, how do I show appreciation? And I know it's something that I need to do more often, but, you know, I have to celebrate those people's successes. And the last is successful delegators tolerate risks and mistake and use them as learning opportunities rather than proof they should not have delegated in the first place. Should I read that again? Successful delegators tolerate risks and mistakes and use them as learning opportunities rather than proof that they shouldn't have delegated in the first place. So delegating helps leaders maximize their resources, ensuring that they're focusing on their highest priorities, developing team members and creating a team culture or a company culture where delegation isn't just expected, but it's embedded in the culture. So my friends, start looking for opportunities to embed delegation into your business culture. Not only will it free you up for more time as a small business CEO, but I guarantee you'll be happier because you'll focus only on the tasks that light you up and your team will be happier and more productive because you've demonstrated that you trust them. Wow, it's already the end of this fifth in the series of Think Like a CEO. And next week, number six, I'm going to talk about your small business and how it needs systems and processes. Yep, I know some people think it's boring. Others of you are going to love it. But we're going to talk about the difference between a system, a process and an SOP, why and how this is so important for your business. And I'm going to share with you five simple steps to creating systems and five questions you must ask every time you create a system. So that's for next week. Let's do this. Let's keep thinking like a CEO. Thanks for listening to the Work Less, Profit More Business Podcast, where weekly you'll get business strategies to help you build that well-oiled business machine so you can escape the daily running of your business. Until next week, remember, you can do this. Bye for now.